podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm adjusted. My brother, Justice Raji. Man, so, uh, you know, what in what will be our last recording of, of, of the year 2022, I wanted to just try to have a, you know, hopefully a, a mostly positive conversation of just some, some footnotes, or highlights or moments or whatever have you that, that were, you know, more on the upside, the top side of the eight, you know what I'm saying, for 2022, um, you know, and look, you know, we talk about 2023 when we get here. Um, you know, calendar year being what it may be. You know what I'm saying? I don't want uh, anybody that, you know, it's just, just a date in the calendar. It don't matter. You know what I mean? That's fine. That's that's cool. Is there a variety of them? Like, you know, and I think we've all, we've all been at different stages of that. I think it's, there's a lot of ways to tell time, right? And there's certain ways to tell time that are important to different things. Mm-hmm. There's ways you tell time that's according to family. There's ways you tell time according to maybe your value system, right? There's ways you tell time according to the, frankly, mainstream environment that you function in, mm-hmm. right? And, and they they all can have relevance, and it doesn't necessarily mean one has to take precedence over the other, right? And, you know, like with most things in a, in a world of white supremacy, <laughs> there's always a set of kind of underlying issues that you could look at sometime and be like, okay, wow, we all got moved to this schedule, though there are other people with other schedules, right? Like, so yes, that is, that is always in play. Um, however, also like how people throughout time have readjusted it, maybe even some conditions that were not to their liking or to their broad benefit but they have figured out how to work within it and have it be beneficial mm-hmm. you know what i mean but i do want to say one thing i, w- I want to say this in all seriousness i want all y'all to think y'all coming to the gym to stay out the gym <laughs> stay out the gym man <laughs> do not come with this whole first two weeks i can't get on a machine because you say you got to lose 10 or 15 pounds. <laughs> All right. We go through this every year. I want y'all to be well. That's why they got yoga videos on television. That's why I got the TRX bands. That's why they got Peloton, man. Stay out of when people been going to the gym all week. Now I'm done. I just had this. I, I needed to. <laughs> express that. I don't, I don't say that on social media anymore. Cause that could come off. <laughs> but I want to say. But it's, out the gym, man. Uh, it's 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 weird. It's crazy too, because I was like, you know, I got you know been doing some family travel, and I'm doing another little traveling next week. Not little, I guess, actually pretty significant travel. You know, um, and I was like, yeah, when I get back, you know, what I'm saying I'll be able to get back, kind of on like, you know, I know I'll be around 
at least for at least, uh, like I said, I'd work out to like two and a half weeks and then I'd be gone. But basically the way my schedule is going to work, like I'll probably be able to jump in the gym, but I really won't be stable enough to get on like a, a, a regular schedule. So I'm almost like, yeah, I'm a miss the whole like people, you know, jacked up on, on goofballs and, and working out all hard for two weeks and then tapering off. So by the time I get back and get on schedule in February, you know, it will it'll just be the regular people that was that's normally around that I'm at the, you know, I, I still try to like if I can, you know, work out on more off hours just because like, you know, the after work time sometimes be like, it's too many people in here. And then sometimes that uh not the early morning, but there's a there's another midday window where it gets a little weird. But like if I can time it right, there's times when I can like get in and I can hit every I can access whatever kind of workout I'm doing, I can access all the stuff I want to access relatively low friction. But if I get stuck in too much having to work out like in the evening, you know, 4 30 to you know, 8 30, it's like, damn, man, this dude gonna be on this bench all he he just He's, gonna he's, be sitting, he's just time. sitting there looking at his phone. To, he's, he's putting his uh, structure in his phone so he can put it. He can put the pictures of him working out yeah. on Instagram with some with uh, some like uh, Twenty One Savage and Drake. Uh, you know, instrumental or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, get off the machine. Get off the bench, man. Yeah. So, however, so you know, listen. I want all y'all to be healthy. I want everybody to be well. I want to say that. I just want you to start at home. <laughs> I want you to start. <laughs> Well, ease into it. Don't feel so much pressure. You know, the good thing about if, if you if you if you decide, you know, to use this as a break point to to establish a new healthy habit, you know, you don't have to jump in with both feet. You could just sort of saunter, like slowly walk, roll it in, you know, like, yo, I'm gonna walk 30 minutes. Uh you're gonna, I'm gonna um, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm a, I got I got this stationary bike, I'm a, every other day. You know, hop on there for 30 minutes and do some, do some, you don't even got to do push-ups. You can just do like a plank up high stand or, you know, just ease into it. Don't feel pressure no. to do whatever you've seen on the internet. Like, you don't got to jump right no. in. Like, I'm going to learn how to do Olympic lifting. Like, maybe, maybe work on some like mobility stuff first. Yeah. No, but I think, I mean, you know, for real though, you know, I do think that's a part of the challenge of the presence of social media and the framing for what people's workouts look like. I mean, obviously there's a benefit where you can see other workouts like, Oh, well, I never thought to do that. Right. And you could use it to like your advantage. But when it goes left, it's like, you think you have to go as hard as these people because the influencers are telling you that if you don't tear ass for the first three weeks that like, you know, you're not the stuff the champions are made of, right? Where it's like, there's there's a reason that there's only a set of high-performing athletes in the world, right? Like, no matter how much you watch him on TV and you're looking at LeBron, LeBron spends a million dollars on his body at 38 years old. That's why he can drop 40 points in a game. Like, let's not be confused. Like, his body is like, you know, one of them, uh, the the... The the Biden uh <laughs> the Biden limousine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Of my, my, my. Yeah, it's like the beast. <laughs> you know what I mean? This body is the beast of 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 bodies, man. And you know what I'm saying? Like, so you know, one, I reinforce stay out the gym, but also <laughs> ease into it, like my man said. Yeah, make, make it make it make it culture. You know what I'm saying? It ain't gotta be, you know, like build it in, but that's a good place to start. So I, I think something though, this I mean, may 
this is something as a, as, a, as a positive footnote that I wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, it's gonna start something that I guess that'd be not so positive, but you know, the the part about it positive. So you know, to start at the top of the year, and I think I talked about it on here. You know, my mom had a health event that required uh, care and some support, and I was able, you know, to go home and be there and like help her you know, get back on the feet, you know, do some stuff at the house, fix some things. And, you know, I just want to just, it was great that, you know, I, I think as a, I spent a lot of my life pre- prepared or understanding the idea that at some point, you know, my mother would be older and I would need to be able to look out for her. Right. But it's one thing to to cognitively know that it's another thing to have a, enough of your life and the way your world works organized that you could you could be supportive. <laughs> right. I talked about that in this place before, you know, anybody if it's old news, my bad. But I just it, it's a it's just something I'm like, okay, good. Like, you know, not that I, you know, had a a notebook of like you know, you know, you watch like TV and movies and people like, I've been journaling my whole life ready for this moment. Like, it's just a general thing. Of like, yeah, like I have a job that will allow me to work remotely. Um, I have um, my kids are of an age where if I have to be away for six weeks, it's, you know, not that they, you know, don't miss me. And, and I can tell you for sure. The, the one who's in the house all the time sure sure as hell miss me <laughs> while I was going. Um, you know, uh, but it's it's manageable, right? Like fortunate timing on some things. Um, you know, the support of uh, you know, even our overall living situation where, you know, shoot, not not just the kids miss me, obviously the you know, the person that that that, that you know, me and the kids exist because we're together, that person <laughs> missed miss me being around. And also, you know, I live in a multi-generational home. The, 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 you know, the elders in the house miss me being around. But the um reality of having the support, and it, it is something that highlighted to me like as we think about, you know, society and the way we live and 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 the, and the degree to which, as I read it, a lot of the conversation, even about lifestyle and structure that people have is very about their individual needs for themselves in a sense of wellness and not necessarily their own capacity to be well for them, but also to be well for the other people that they care about, you know what I mean, to get what they need if they need it, right? I think that's a really important facet of, you know, if we're going to project and think about, uh, you know, different collective futures and even something that may have default existed in some of our families because folks was just in proximity or in the same houses. It's like, yeah, we go over there and check on Aunt Mabel all the time because Aunt Mabel lives two doors down in the other row house. And, we're, yeah. you know what I mean? So you just sort of yeah. get out. But it wasn't like a plan. But it but it works, right? Um, yeah. And as our societies and our neighborhoods and the places suppose a lot of us live have changed, um, especially depending on the size and scale of your family, you know, where it's like you know some folks got a whole lot of different family members that can tap in on on looking out for people, and some people ain't they ain't got that. So it's just a, a something I'm, you know, happy. I'm fortunate. I feel good. I feel fortunate. I feel like, you know, brother, brother made good decisions with his life that I was uh, able to be supportive, you know, to 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 my moms in a, in a way 
that obviously, you know, she was super supportive of me, uh, you know, being the person that, you know, brought me in the world and all that and like fed me food. <laughs> like, 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 you know, was my mom. It's been my mom my whole life. So, um, you know, it's one of my, you know, super duper footnotes, you know, just that, that I hope is more fun than it sound like. I hope they'll be more exciting <laughs> as this conversation develops. <laughs> I'm everybody getting all, you all mopey. <laughs> you definitely started very, very, you know, in the much of the justice way, very like, oh, this is cool. Then it got, you know, got deep over me. Like, you got deep, man, you know. I, I will say, I mean, you know, one, there, there is a lot to be said for the flexibility that the new world has hath created right now, rather what reasons to your point, whether someone are doing very individualistic, whether they've run afoul of kind of worker and cubicle culture, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's people who just are, do not do as well because of the constant strains of, of worker and cubicle culture. Um, but the ability to think about that. And also, I mean, I think you make a really good, point around how behaviors and neighbor behaviors and multi-generational processes have changed. Whereas, you know, my grandmother did used to go see my older aunts and I would go with her and they all lived in West of North Philly. Like you could go to all their house, all the ones in West in 10, 12 and 10 to 15 minutes, either direction from my grandmother's house. Right. And so you felt a sense of family just on a like, hey, I got to go do this on the way to going doing this. But now, because of a lot of different reasons, um, neighborhoods and family structures aren't organized in that manner. So to be able to utilize the kind of uh, virtual and digital nature of work, I think, um, becomes that much more important. And it's a way, it's an outcome that we should use for a good cause, even if that was not the cause of the thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, Especially given that, yeah, there's situations where you can't just call a cousin and ask them to go by somebody's house, right? Like, that's the thing that we all kind of grew up thinking and grew up activating in some capacity. And, you know, given just, you know, migration, processes um and then housing being more expensive you know the ability maybe for people to always be able to bring you know uh mothers fathers um grandparents aunts uncles whatever just in the multi-generational context um it gets more difficult to bring them to your house because you don't have enough space yeah right and when space becomes an issue in that regard um so so no that i think um um, let me see. So I, I think for me on a positive note, I think what I learned this year um, is the power, weight, and worth of the African diaspora. Um, it, it's something that became, you know, you started to see it or you know, and I've been engaged in conversation. You and I have had these conversations. You started to see it with like, when we were growing up, starting in around what, 1989, 1990, you started to see the proliferation of reggae, right? Mm -hmm. That also obviously dovetails with migration patterns, right? Out of Jamaica in the 80s with IMF and, you know, again, not trying to go there. I'll I'll, I'll keep it up. I'll keep it up (laughs) 
but go watch Life and Debt if you have any context for any challenges about what happened in Jamaica and everything around the PLP and the JLP and everything. But so you start to see this in every city in America that had a large uh, black population. You start to see more folks from the Caribbean, but obviously come sometime we thought people were from Jamaica when they were from really from other places. <laughs> but we would just say they was Jamaican. Right, right. Um, <laughs> we just put them all, you know, put them all there. So, so you, and, and you would see it, you saw it in the early 90s, kind of saw the, you know, around, definitely around the year 2000, kind of an explosion. Then you see, saw the explosion of reggaeton, um, you know, for which, for I think for people's context, it's important to note that reggaeton had a lot to do with the, uh, Jamaican migration to Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, when folks went to build the dams and then just stayed and had multiple iterations of people living there when, but they also would speak Spanish. And, you know, so you have this like reggae beat Spanish speakers. Um, and so you get reggaeton. Um, so you had, you had that kind of explode and then reggaeton kind of took these multiple forms, right? Kind of EMS. I mean, that was an EMS. Uh, what's that shit? EDM. And you start seeing all this different kind of stuff. And and frankly, you saw reggae kind of recede. And now we see the explosion. I think that's a that's a fair term of the idea of Afrobeats um, globally, but also kind of in America as you know, also connecting to the migratory patterns of Africans moving to America and the bouncing back of Africa, you know, Europe, the United States, and so forth. So you, you see it in the music. Um, but during my travels, particularly to um, to Paris foremost, and then London, I really got to see the power of the diaspora. And I think a part that we don't see in America is what is happening globally with people from the continent and what that looks like. Right. And there I'm being very specific, not just saying sub-Saharan Africa, but I mean the entire continent. Mm-hmm. Right. As we talked about with the whole Morocco thing and everything, right. Like the entire continent and just the power and the, the, the charge of not just music, but food uh, fashion culture that is that is permeating um and i think for the first time in a long time i mean there's a history of this which you know we'll speak on at some juncture but there's really this back and forth like what's happening what's starting in nigeria that goes to london that comes to new york or comes to chicago that then goes back to toronto that then goes back over to paris and so you're seeing this kind of interplay very intentional um, that I don't think we've seen in a long time. And I think it's really good for the entire diaspora to start to break down the barriers that we've put up that have been constructed for us and that we have constructed for ourselves in regard to the worth and, and, and heft and, and, and might of the power of what you may call black people worldwide. Um, so I, I've really learned and saw that lesson, um, and I think in you'll we will continue to see it. Even as a funny aside, you know, you see Meek over at uh, Afrochella, right? Mm-hmm. And he's doing riding bikes, getting his phone stolen, 
you know, you could have stayed, you could you could have stayed in America to get your phone stolen. You could have, you know what I'm saying? You could have went to DC or to Chicago for that. But you know, the idea of like the bike riding and, and him, right, being a dude from Philly, you know, young dude that's like, yo, this has changed my life, right? And I think there's something powerful there when this where you know him. Ross being there like last year where you're seeing these artists come and be really embraced on the continent um, and embracing the continent, Mm -hmm. um, I think is a really powerful thing that can do a really good job of breaking down those barriers. So that's one of the really, really good and important things. And I'll end by saying, this specifically when it comes to like fashion and stuff like that, like there are African fashion houses and and we should not assume that when we look to fashion houses, that there's only, you know, that the fashion houses are only European, Mm -hmm. right? That there are African fashion houses. There are Asian fashion houses. There are, you know, what people would call Arab or, you know, middle, middle Eastern, depending on your political perspective, there are all these kind of things and they're really at play globally Maybe not so much in America. And I think once we get outside of the American context, we start to see um, more of that. So looking forward to that going forward. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's some uh, too that what you said made me think about maybe our conversations in the coming years is really um, is exploring things around like that. Because I, I think sometimes, especially as, as Americans, it's hard for us to conceive of a world where America is not one of the poles in a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that it would be, I think it would be good for me (laughs) to, to, to center the idea of putting myself in more places where I'm with people, where the pole, one of the poles is not America. Even if we happen to be in America at the time, (laughs) you know, the pole that's maybe, you know, one of the strong or positive, you know, negative or the negative positive force, strong force. Mm -hmm. means in the conversation, you know, that might be moving uh, a stream of thought or a discussion um, or even the focus of a discussion, but it's not, it's like America, America is there on in, in the, in the, in the sphere, <laughs> observing the dialogue as much. And, and I, I think that, um, I think that could be really beneficial for myself, but I think it's also something that I hear, you know what I'm saying? And in, in, in that, in that lesson is that there's a whole other world that's operating with other <laughs> points of points of focus and, and we're used to uh, so i think we're, we're as as black folks in america we're usually the diaspora that kind of spawns the other diasporas right so even if you're like with cubans there might be more cubans here than, than in cuba right like if you're with Puerto Ricans, like, you you know what I mean? So, like, even even if you're talking about people who have a different origin story, there may be so many people here that the kind of synthesis then has its roots here versus, like, no, the pole truly exists somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And Paris particularly, you realize that the pole of, you know, what it means to be, like, Black French in the multiple identities that people take on, um, they listen to hip hop, they like it, but the poles of their existence is not America. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they do not get up waiting to think about what LeBron does. They might think about what Mbappe does, right? <laughs> like, right. but they don't. Like that's not it. And so when you're somewhere where you're realizing that like the thing that you like to drink isn't the thing that the people drink. 
mm-hmm. right? The thing that you like to wear isn't the thing that they wear. I mean, sneakers wise, yes, that that doesn't change. And there's a there's a power in the American influencing culture around sneakers that I think we underestimate actually. Like how we overestimate it in some senses, we underestimate the power of when someone sees a shoe being worn in America and what it represents globally. Um, again, talking about the whole element of soft power, which is, you know, I think um, America has exported culture. Black people in America have exported culture. We've never taken stock of soft power from that exporting of the culture other than the individual who actually got paid off of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not about like the power of being black in America talking about the culture. It's the power of when a artist goes to goes globally and performs and it's part of that diaspora. But now, again, if Burner Boy comes to America and sells out a show. Right. If WizKid comes to America and sells out a show and they can do they they already been doing that globally, but they can do it here now, too. And it's not just because of the that diaspora. It's also because of the collective of people who are finding this culture. And I think, again, there's the possibility for art, there's a possibility for food, there's a possibility for for fashion, there's a possibility for technology, there's a possibility for all these things that um, you know, again, really see at play and will be important in the global economic and social context going forward, even around, um, I think, you know, we look at recently Biden, uh, President Biden had, you know, a meeting with African heads of state, right, and talked about this. And, you know, this stuff matters globally because when global conflicts take place now, increasingly, you know, African countries are going to matter in this. Um, and one thing I'll, I'll leave it with is on the fashion thing. It, it's important to to note that uh, Chanel this year um, actually did one of their fashion showings in Senegal. Mm-hmm. Like literally nodding to the fact that this fashion, this global fashion house with its origin in France is being influenced so much by the African continent to do something in Senegal. So we, you know, you're just starting to see what that looks like and what that means in, in the global context. So. Mm. All right. So something else that was a, I guess a, a note for me this year was. Um, and I think it's in the same vein, but, but sort of like a, a value of kind of like kind of intensifying engagement when it comes to like your relationships or the things that you're doing, you know, I mean, I'm sure I got to check my uh, human development chart, you know, cause some of it definitely is an age thing, but like it's more, it's been more valuable and more impactful to me this year. Um, you know, making sure I, I touch base with the people who I think really matter to me. Right. Um, and, and seeing them um, on a community level, making myself available and even prioritizing. Uh, yeah, that's, I think I've said in some of our other conversations, I think the pandemic experience of 
of being separated is going to lead to at least in some circles and an intensity uh on getting together with the people that you want to see you know i mean you know we have a, a i think a societal trope at least here in the united states of like you know people i'm not one of these people but i know a lot of y'all other people live this way where like you say stuff like yeah we should get together but you don't really mean it <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely. Like I rarely, I never, I rarely, I don't know if I ever say I sh- I I don't say to nobody that we should get together if I don't really want to get together with you. And like I say, it's good to see you. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like now you might say it to me, and I'd be like, well, I mean, you know, if, if you really want to get with me, and I give you my information, and you hit me up, we'll do it. But if I don't really want to get together with you, I ain't gonna, you know, it ain't gonna happen, dog, because I really trying to get together with you unless you invite me. But I think that there's a um. I think that for me, I've had like conversations and sit downs with people and catch ups with folks where you really get a, you know, you get a clear understanding that, you know, to whatever degree you are acquainted, um, you know, people really care about you. They are, they do want to see, you know, what you're doing or they want to know where you're at, um, you know, that sort of thing, but that it has, it has a lasting and meaningful impact on other people, you know, the person that you are in their life. Um, and even the person you are in your own life and that you need to, you know, the, 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 you know, keep, I don't know. I just feel like something that there's been like, I've had just a lot of really good one-on-ones with some folks this year that I hadn't had, you know what I mean? Um, some, some, some moments, you know, some, some sitting down, having a coffees and that, uh, that made the year, you know what I mean? To be quite frank, you know what I mean? That, you know, raised uh you know days may have been a little bit on the on the bummy side that like you know like oh man you know all right life's cool like i'm gonna go do this go see this person and um you know i think it's a uh, just something i, I want to carry um and i guess i would say on a broader community level you know just in like some parent organizing the community work we've done here like we, we you know we spent the last two summers you know trying to create some space for folks to get together um and you know, we've seen how much, how important it is just to make space for people to like be with each other, especially black folks. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I think we're coming out of an age. I think it's been an age of adjustment from the, the, the time that we grew up where we still had sort of the remnant structures of the, you know, the, the pre-segregation society where we had a, a higher level of proximity and placement where you still just sort of could happenstance into being. Yeah. And I think we've moved through a whole generation, at least from the way they talk about it on the interwebs, that has not experienced that proximity um, and it's either the intentional aspects of it or the coincidental aspects of it. And, 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 and it shows sometimes you know, in positive and negative ways that sometimes folks, I think, are missing that experience. And then sometimes folks are not, they're craving that experience, but maybe not sure how to make it happen. And I just think, you know, the, the, the yeah. note is like, yo, just find a way to get together. Like, just well, that, And that's a good point, too. I mean, I think to the first part of your conversation, first thing you added on about is, yeah, like when stuff would just happen, right? And the proximity itself just made you do things, right? And so now we're like in a place where the patterns are as such as we're like, no, you have to be intentional. And I I think sometimes it's a challenge for our generation to be as intentional Mm -hmm. or to put a premium on intention when you've been used to these 
um, these bump ends and these kind of, you know, electrons hitting each other and creating mm-hmm. sparking energy. And you, and you, and you think it's like, that's the nature of how it should be. Like that's the natural thing versus you may have been fortunate to be in a time where people were aggregated in this kind of way to create these things where a new generation of people has to be intentional in another way. And the way they're intentional might seem a bit off. It will does to me sometimes. So I want to speak for myself, but <laughs> I now understand I, I, I do. I'm coming to understand why it has to be like that. Like why, like why the idea of black Twitter really is a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, like where you know you get the old Grinches like me. That's like, yo, dog. Why y- y'all don't need, you know y'all don't know each other, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because when you're coming from the aggregate, right, you're coming from the aggregate. Y'all don't know each other. Y'all don't know the right. people. You know, you know, I pay, I pay, you, don't, you don't know the people, right? Whereas, like, no, in this world, these are ways that relationships are being built. Yeah. Right. And you have a possibility for global connections if done in a way, to your point, that is actually thoughtful and and careful and nuanced. I mean, in this idea of like, okay, no, Ghana, you know, and and Accra, they're doing Afrochella. Right. Again, being very intentional about this idea of bringing people from all across the globe to this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. That happens because of this new kind of networking and reorganization of a sense of self and identity. Because so it's not just like, all right, well, New York got Harlem Week, Philly got Odun Day, D.C. got Georgia Avenue Day. You know what I mean? Detroit got this festival. L.A. got this festival. Right. Like where I think that's how we used to be, right? Like in, in every, any individual place had its own sense of stuff. So your sense of identity was so grounded in place, mm-hmm. right? Where I think that, you know, this evolution of identity and especially in places where where Black people are not either a majority or a plurality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then it becomes triply or doubly, you know what I mean? It becomes really more important to be yeah. intentional. So, um, so one I'll share last one I'll share is I think, um, this year I realized that hip hop is okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, like, again, uh, there's another part of this context of golden era, you know, golden era, golden age kind of you know where i think the you know people are extending this space of what they call the golden era where we might have stopped we might have argued it stopped at like 91 92 now mm-hmm. people are extending it in ways sometimes i think those ages don't connect but for the sake of it i get it because i don't really connect if, if the music that was done in 88 music that was done in 94 95 they're not connected i don't think right i mean they, yeah. they have a they have a clear through line yeah but i think but they- Style. They were not being done in the same age. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, like, and so I think for a long time, artists and those of us who may be cultural um, communicators, uh, you know, have all just thought about how bad the art is or how bad the music is. And I think it's really difficult to 2022 prove is really difficult to say that there's not hip hop you can listen to, no matter what your take on it is. 
right? Like if you're old, if you're old man or old woman, listen to Pusha T or Freddie Gibbs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you want, if you want other stuff, listen. You know, if you're young and you know young artists and great artists, listen to Cord Day. Like if you want this, follow this over here. Like there's no shortage of actual quality hip-hop music from all areas, from all backgrounds, and frankly, of all ages, being released. Um, it's no longer in a small box for only certain uh, edification and, and like kind of certain consumption, which I think sometimes are bigger challenges. I also think about it with sneaker culture, as an aside. Mm-hmm. But like, hip-hop is okay. Right. Like hip hop is so broad now that it's going to be entirely harmful, goofy, dumb ways that it exists and ways that it's going well. And so we have to give, you know, I kind of have thought about it in that context. Um, and I also do think we're at a place where older artists. Um, when Melly Melon were 45, we didn't want to hear them rap where if Pusha T is 45, we do. If Nas is almost 50. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're still actively listening to their music. So I think there's a there's more of a space, more of a band where those artists can perform and be seen within the canon and not just like like we was growing up uh, at the at the Dell, at the War Memorial in Trenton. How you had like, you know, Harold Melville and the Blue Notes and the Stylistics and the Shy Lights and Nancy right. Wilson come. You know what I mean? Like it, now, if you want to do that, there's these, you know, trap, there's these, uh, what do you call them? Uh, cruises, the hip hop cruises and all that kind of stuff. So there's that kind of stuff if you want that. But there's also just a spot date from a 50 year old rapper who's who's arguably doing producing their best work. Nas or Pusha T are both pro- arguably producing their best work close to 50 years old yeah so absolutely yeah i I, I just would like to add on with that one too that like i I think the um and then maybe this will actually be my 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 closing footnote is what i want to say for the year too is that like i realize how much more like how many things there are out there for me to be like curious about yeah, it's like you know, I I can't I can't think of the last time I really like read a um you know a, a write up about somebody's some music in consecutive weeks like you know like where you know time like you know even consecutive months so like like oh you know it was the source and the vibe and this and you would you know you would leave even if you didn't read every article you page through every month and kind of had a, a you know I don't know last time I did that related to music. You know what I'm saying, or learned more about this artist, like you know, just as just music as one paradigm for that. But like, there's so much other reading <laughs> out there to be done on various topics that, like, this year, as much uh, as I've had to read, either for my own, you know, for my professional work, uh, for my personal edification, and even I was going to do exercise that uh, my brother-in-law does, where he writes down all the books that he read in a given year. You know what I'm saying? To like get a sense of like what did I what did I read this year? Um, and you know, I, I think uh, uh, even with the the times that I've had to kind of spend on the move um, or away, you know, you know, since I, as I mentioned earlier, taking care of my moms, is that it did actually afford me time to like read because of you know you know you know time that I would have been chit chatting you know with, with my kids or my partner or whatever. I was like, I'm here by myself. 
all right, well, I guess I'm going to read something. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, I don't really have no video game systems. and that, You know, there's all the various ways one could distract themselves or, or use your time. You know, I find myself reading. And, yeah, I like reading. <laughs> there's a lot to learn. And um, I think, but but on that particularly around hip-hop, it's like at some point, you know, it's just like, you know what? It's a lot of good music. Like, if you don't like something, you just don't have to like it. You can just move on, like, to something else. There's so much, there's so much. And we have so much access to so much music. I think yeah, there is one I read about, like, the way access to old music is impacting listening to new music because people can listen to a lot of old music in a way that you was not as easy in the past. So, like, you, if you just wanted to spend three weeks listening to, like, uh, 50s lounge music, you could totally do that. You know what I'm saying? And not listen to whoever's new record came out. You know what right. I'm saying? Whoever's producing a similar music today, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think that that's also a place that kind of wraps in some of the other dialogue. That's a place where I learned, and I learned it kind of in 20, kind of during the pandemic, but it's continued specifically like the British take on jazz. Um because their jazz has obviously influences from the traditional forms of jazz, but it also has influences like drum and bass, right? They also have these other forms of influence that like some American music doesn't have. doesn't mean all because like Michaela McCraven and all of them are also very similar, but like, you know, that is very true. And so, yeah, if you just kind of want to listen to Roy Ayers, right, you'd never have to listen to anyone doing something like Roy Ayers now. Right, you just listen to all of the Roy Ayers. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Can, yeah, you can. He got this the seventy-seven, you know, tracks. <laughs> Which is some sense like the height of capitalism. Like in some sense, as much as you know, we, we, like we like to you know throw our broadsides against it. <laughs> like it's the height of being able to be like, I can listen for literally uh, tenths of a pennies on a dollar because that's what they get. Yeah. <laughs> I can listen to everything I want to listen to. Now there's a, there's a genius, there's a beauty to it. And at the same time, to your point, um, I, so I think curation and artists and, you know, people like us curating playlists and curating things become more important because, you know, we can share new things like we'll share and then, you know, you'll share it in the notes but being able to share like, hey, give this a listen. You may not have taken time to do it. We may have taken some time to do it. And since you listen to us, we can give you something back. <laughs> Here's five songs you should check out. Right, right. Keep it so. All right. Yeah, man. Um, so with that, uh, you know, I think we're close to where we could send off. But I did want to uh, make space. And I think it's important. Um, in this space, it is someone that is important enough to us that you know, those who would listen to these conversations and find them valuable, I think would understand or hopefully would. You know, we, um, on a sad note, lost a dear friend, um, good brother, um, almost 30 years of, uh, of you know, of, 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 of brotherhood and friendship, companionship, you know what I'm saying, whatever have you, however you want to frame it, passed in, in, recent, in recent week. And, you know, as as many things we as we make public in our society, you know, I, I'm still ambivalent about what stuff is appropriate 
to 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 or or having to to make some sort of like yeah, I gotta go on social media, I gotta go on my, my Facebook and tell everybody about how close I was, you know, to this person. Um, I'm still I don't know, my 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 base response is there's a place for you know, almost there's a priority to those to those dialogues. You know what I'm saying? And 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 you know, until I do a, one step, you know, which would be having the opportunity to to say those words either to to those who shared that relationship, i.e., you, um, um, and our other other folks that you know we we call friends and call brothers, um, and and what have ancestors do? Well, just when just us men, you know what I'm saying? We mix of genders you know being being <laughs> being and operating within the community of 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 uh care um it but said i'd say um you know it's 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 something to being our age and having the cognitive and the statistical data that would tell you that it's reasonable that some of you know some of us, some of your peers, or some may may pass, you know, due to health related reasons or whatever, um, or even other things like car accidents and 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 the, and the general reality. But when you're dealing with it, when it happens, it's very, it's still shocking. Um, it's still uh, weighs heavy on you. And um, I just want to make space to say, first of all, like thank you to. Um, to my man's, uh, his name's Chris. I'm gonna say his honorable, you know, first name. I go, you know, I don't, you know, other stuff's private. Um, you know, good, great, great friend, um, curious friend, <laughs> great, great person to spend time with, uh, who, who meant a lot to both of us and all of us, you know, sort of the way we, a lot of our development and ability to kind of grow into who we, you know, grown into was a shared experience um, and, a, and a giving back and a, and a supporting each other, you know, sometimes in the material ways and supporting each other sometimes in the other ways that, you know, folks need to be supported. And I think it's, um, you know, the, 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 the cats, you know, maybe actually should put, might make a category for future conversations, you know, the concept of like good people, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when somebody's good people, um, and I think some of us that might be listening know what that means when you say, oh, that's good people. Um, my man, Chris, is good people. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to miss him in, in that sense, um, but I always have, you know, the memories with me. And, yeah, I want to, you know, make sure. That anybody that didn't know him or those that did know him, you know, that, that most of far as his, his, his son, um, you know what I'm saying, the folks he, you know, may have been in relationships with, they, you know, that's that's my guy. You know? Thank you. So, yeah, I passed to you. Yeah, man. Um, I think um, this is a place where I think a lot of the dialogues that have run through Asher Oldhead and the Good Brothers and trying to probe a little deeper into the things, um, the things, right? And I think. I lost you got sound. Um, the things you get to is um, mourning and black men, particularly. Um, obviously, I'm not discounting black women. We're just two black men talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, 
how do we mourn, right? How do you mourn publicly? How do you mourn privately? How do you deal with the anxiety around mortality? And I think we've seen how we frame mourning when people are maybe, you know, they, they, they're no longer here through maybe intra-community violence, intra-community violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we, you know, we deal with the health issues and, and, and some of those things. And, um, you know, we just have, you know, we, we either through the conditioning or through just the nature of how fast and furious it comes, have to like charge it to the game. Right. Where we know it's never charged to the game because the game with the game you're charging into lives inside of you. Right. The place you're putting it, you're not putting it outside yourself. You're putting it in yourself. You're just stuffing it. Right. And so how we mourn and then how do we mourn people who were good people, people who, you know, no, it doesn't matter how you return to that sense, but just people who were good people and maybe it was sudden um, and processing how how to do that. Um, you know, and even this conversation is a part of it. And I think we're all trying to those of us who were close to him um, and had a long term relationship uh, are trying to process that. Um, and I think it's a it's a process over time. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's a it's a process over time to 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 deal with it. Um, I'm I, I already miss him, you know, um, I will continue to miss him. And it, it just reinforces like, you know. Never leave it all on the floor to use an athletic, um, mm-hmm. you know, term athletic allegory. Like, leave it on the floor, man. Tell people how you feel about them. Yeah. As much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Never let it be said that, like, you think someone didn't know. Because if you think someone didn't know how you felt about them, that's on you. And that's not in a negative way. It's not making, but it's on you that you didn't let that person know what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, that's all it could be. Um, oh. he left, he, he left the physical plane knowing that he was loved and cared for mm-hmm. uh, and his name will continue to, you know, not only obviously through his, his son, um, but also through all the people he touched and impacted and all the communities and all the work, um, you know, just somebody who gave back somebody who helped so many move to new places, um, professionally mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big loss in, in this city and in this town, this region, because, because he's again, not with us in the physical, but we also do remember that where people really live is in your mind. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't see him, you don't see him with the spatial infinity. <laughs> like, you know, right. you don't really around. <laughs> like as much as we like to think we, we know people are around when you're not with them, guess what? You don't really know they're around. <laughs> right. 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 Um, but they live in your mind. Um, and he'll continue to live in the mind and in the quote unquote hearts of many. So, but, but thanks for, uh, making the space and willfully people who are listening, take from it and think about how they mourn, how we mourn as community. And then how do we properly make sure that people's names and legacies, uh, live on? Yeah. 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 Cause, um, 
the only thing I'll say just to, to in closing is like, you know, it's, it's you don't know how much uh, people mean to you sometimes, and it can be, uh, and not even just that, but but almost your your trust that you're gonna get to follow up on those conversations or whatever. You know, sometimes you just gotta. Uh, as we have, I have a joke, and I'm not gonna say this other person's you know information, but I'll I, I'll say this: you can sh- you can show and prove that I was I was thinking about you because I called <laughs> <laughs> that uh that we both hold dear actual <laughs> fact. And, and and me and you know me and you could have a divide, have an ongoing uh you know turf war where we gotta hit that person first so they don't hit us. <laughs> <laughs> say that, <laughs> but I understand the sentiment and the meaning, and it's really important. You know, what I mean, even a much as much as a society, um, I th- and I think we're going to reckon with it over the next year and a half. You know, unrelated, you know, what I mean, to to our good brothers passing, um, just the way folks are, are dealing with the grief of what we've experienced with the pandemic and other things. I mean, um, you know, my my wish, my will would be to see um, just a, a, a higher level of uh, of sacred you know, appreciation, you know what I mean, for the life of those that matter to us in our lives and that we, you know, just make it a priority. It's all right to be like, yo, we should just get together because so we don't be sad and say we ain't talked. <laughs> like, if something happened to one of us, let's get together so we know we got together, you know what I'm saying? And we could take, we could tell other people, we ain't got to tell the Bible why it's happening. You know, just a footnote, you ain't got to tell everybody every time you hang out with someone, okay? Don't let the internet fool you. You can just keep it to yourself, but keep it to yourself and like, you know, in your circle, you know what I'm saying? In that circle, it's, it's all good. So, in any event, you know, I tried to keep it as exciting and positive as we could. You know, I mean, I don't know if we achieved it, but you know, what I mean, you know, I love y'all and I love you. <laughs> oh, it's on mute, got. Oh, shit. I was talking. No, I was talking. Shit. I was talking to my goddamn self. Um, <laughs> hear my, hearing myself talk, hearing you talk, I started hearing myself talk. Um, no, I, I think we covered some things, and and you know, I I think also in the in the in the sense of gratitude, want to say thanks to everyone who listens, thanks to people who share this with people they know, thanks to people who you know kind of take some of the things that we may think about and, and process it. Hey, you may agree, you may disagree, but you know that we remain curious, and I think we'll have a lot to be able to bring to the table to continue to elevate those kind of things going forward. But I just want to say thank you and being great, you know, practicing gratitude and also to you just for uh, being steadfast in regard to, you know, the original origin story of the idea of asking those who came before us about wisdom, um, especially when in many ways the ageism (laughs) thing in the black community gets real twisted um you know uh old folks want to be too young young folks don't know the benefit of being old because sometimes there's nobody but so old in their families mm-hmm. um you know so we have a lot there but uh yeah but i think uh i think we ended a good place everybody be careful if you know if you're drinking and thinking do more thinking than drinking <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> You know, uh, you know, and and most importantly, I want to say this again, most importantly for everyone. Get off the machines if you come in there on January 2nd acting like you're about to lose 10, 20 pounds. 
because I really want to use the, you know, trying to use the the leg press, man. So right. just want to let you. <laughs> and I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a close. <laughs> and, and if you don't really, if you if you don't know how to use the squat rack, just leave it alone. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. Take a, a training that's lesson. That's and that's then go back one. to the squat rack. No, that's good. a big one. That's a big one. No, you're right. You're right. That's that's a huge one. Yeah, and I and I would share a piece of wisdom. Hopefully, I, I think the source of this particular note will appreciate it. You know, don't get so far out there that you forget your name. You know what I'm saying? So mm. night, be safe. <laughs> My man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Good Brothers is a part of the Ash Your Old Head podcast, uh, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. You can support the podcast by listening, uh, rating, and subscribing wherever you listen, and also sharing. Uh, you can further support the podcast by becoming a patron. You can search Justice Raji on Patreon and subscribe and contribute a little bit every month to offset the costs to keep recording. Uh, further, last way you can support the podcast is you can head to the Ash Your Old Head Etsy shop. I actually have two new sweatshirt designs up there. You can purchase a sweatshirt um, or whatever is currently available, and all proceeds go towards the podcast. So uh, please be safe. Please um, be safe tonight if you're if I get this out on time. Uh, please be safe in general. Um, make time for those you love and make time for yourself. Appreciate you in 2022 and more to come in 2023. So with that, I'll say peace.